Shakespeare's daughter, The Life and Struggles of Rosa Luxemburg, a podcast by Karol Golewski. Episode 9, Berlin, First Impressions I have arrived here as a complete stranger and all alone to conquer Berlin, and having laid eyes on it, I now feel anxious in the face of its cold power. The city makes the most unfavourable impression on me, tasteless, massive, a proper barracks, and the Prussians with their arrogant demeanour, as if each one had swallowed the stick used for beating him. But a Johnny without a country, such as I am, must make do even with the German fatherland. Such are Rosa Luxemburg's first impressions of the city that will become her new home. Following graduation in May 1897, three months after submitting her doctoral thesis, Rosa was on the move again. Berlin was the throbbing heart of international socialism, and this was her next destination. To be active in politics, Rosa needed to be a German citizen, and to achieve this, she got into a marriage of convenience with Gustav Lübeck, a complete stranger whom she married in Basel in mid-April of 1898. The reason why Rosa had chosen Germany as her next step was because it was the world's most industrialized country at the time. Germany had the fastest-growing socialist movement in the new legalized Socialist Democratic Party, or SPD, which had more than 100,000 members and 90 different socialist daily newspapers, providing plenty of opportunities for her to make a living as a journalist. She arrived in Berlin in mid-May 1898, just month before a Reichstag election, the second since the lapse of the anti-socialist laws in 1890. Rosa immediately got in touch with the party executives, offering her services as an agitator among the Poles in Upper Silesia during the campaign. She was not a complete unknown thanks to her appearances at international congresses and her articles on Polish issues. Soon she began work in Upper Silesia, I want to affect people like a clap of thunder, she wrote, to inflame their minds with the breadth of my vision, the strength of my conviction and the power of my expression. This first speaking tour, although not in the large German cities as she dreamed of back in Switzerland, was a great success. Her listeners brought her flowers and didn't want to let her go again. So we're going to read some excerpts of uh, the first few letters she wrote to Leo Yogishes, who was still in Zurich, upon her arrival in Berlin. First, here's a letter she wrote as she arrived in Berlin on 17th of May. 
My dearest Giorgio, I now have the first more or less peaceful moment in which I am alone and can write you in more detail, because all day yesterday and today I've been running around with the little cousin in search of a place to live. I have no inkling what it means in Berlin to search for a place to live. The rooms are generally dreadfully expensive everywhere. The dimensions are so completely incomparable to Zurich that I feel my head's going to burst before I decide on something. Of the people I've seen, there's only the mother of Shmulova, seen fleetingly, her son-in-law, the sub-editor at the Neue Welt, and Shmulov himself. The latter has not yet arranged to introduce me to Grandnauer, and I found that quite satisfactory, by the way. I learned from him only that at present Parvus is regarded in the party as a persona comica, and that everyone has turned away from him. Grandnauer, Clara Zetkin, Auer, et al. That is to say, he has lost everything that up to now he had gained. That means the two of us had very good noses, but in the last analysis, it's very sad. Incidentally, I'm making a very big impression here, at least on my landlady, and what is most astonishing, everyone sees me as being extraordinarily young, and they're amazed that I'm already so mature. That is for your reassurance. As for the Valskis, they found me enchanting in my black dress and new hat. All of that has to do with my outer appearance, my inner appearance is somewhat less enchanting, though it is equally black, for which the depressing dimensions of Berlin are to blame. I feel as though I've arrived here as a complete stranger and all alone to conquer Berlin, and having laid eyes on it, I now feel anxious in the face of its cold power, completely indifferent to me. At the same time, I console myself with the thought that the whole of Berlin will arouse my interest. Looking back over the last half year, and not even looking farther back, I felt a completely bewildering sense of disharmony, something incomprehensible to me, tormenting and dark, that I got shooting pains in my temples, and then I had exactly the physical sensation of black and blue places, painful bruises on my soul, so that I could turn neither right nor left as I lay there. The most tormenting thing in all this is the feeling of something incomprehensible as if there were dull thudding or roaring in my head and at that point I don't know why everything has happened, what for, to what purpose. And just imagine it was precisely those bruises on my soul that at the next moment gave me the courage for a new life. It became clear to me that I had not given up anything good, that things would not be one iota better even if we lived together that in the same way I would constantly be surrounded by an atmosphere that I would strive in vain and amidst agonies to comprehend while being surrounded by constant disharmony. What I had longed for momentarily was only my fantasy and I felt myself to be exactly like that tomcats in Viggins. Do you remember? A dog had trapped it between the cliffside and the lake. Imagine the dog to be the life that drives me on, the hillside to be your stony heart as constant and reliable as a cleft, but also just as hard and inaccessible. And finally, imagine the lake to be the waves of the life into which I am now plunging in Berlin. The choice between two forms of punishment is at least not hard to make. And the only thing I need to be concerned about 
is that with the passage of time, I won't go down among the Berlin waves like the cat. The second letter is dated three days later, 20th of May. Rosa has now found a room where to live. Dearest Chuchu, I just read your letter written on Wednesday. With satisfaction, I draw the conclusion from it that all your suggestions and advice about what is to be done are the same as the ones I've already noted down. I haven't forgotten the slightest thing. I'm starting on all this today and tomorrow, because as long as I had no place to live, I couldn't think about anything else. I've been living the whole time in a furnished private room for one mark a day, and from the very first moment, my time has been spent energetically searching for a place. I have a strong desire to plunge into the stream of struggle, but don't worry. I'll keep a cool head. Today, I finally rented a place to live after I had looked at 75 different rooms in various parts of the city, and as a result, I already know these districts of Berlin like the back of my hand. And now to turn to you, my love. It's very good that you went to see Herkner, but now you have to write a few words to Professor Julius Wolf after he recommended you to Herkner. Otherwise, God knows you would be a real pig. I'll enclose a rough draft of such a letter. You can fix it for yourself to suit your taste. But don't delay or dwaddle about it, I beg you. Do it right away, do you hear? How did you like Herkner? Write me about that in detail. And generally speaking, you ape, write in more detail about yourself and not to general words. I'm feeling healthy and brave. Don't worry at all. Here Rosa uh, mentioned that she needs to go to the police because in order to be active politically in Germany without interference by the authorities, she needed to obtain from the police a certificate of citizenship. Maybe tomorrow I'll go to the police, but on the other hand, maybe not after moving into my room. Write me in detail about what dealings you've had with the dressmaker. I'm meeting Vladek Olsevsky on Sunday. Write quickly and a lot. I read your letters several times over. Golden boy, how are you feeling, my dear, my only child? Do you know anything about Anna? The third letter is dated 25th of May. Rosa has paid a visit to the SPD offices. Auer wants to send me to Upper Silesia immediately. He doesn't want to know anything about Westphalia. 
who insists that I concentrate my efforts on Upper Silesia. For this purpose he wanted, as early as yesterday, to write to Winter by my arrival, and said I should wait for instructions, either directly from Winter or from Auerwell. At a suitable moment, I turned the conversation to the question of the editorial board. We talked about that a lot, but the essence of the matter in practical terms is this. It's pointless to try to make changes now before the elections, and after the elections, if I remain in Berlin, they can see about it then. They would be very happy, I was said, but all of that will, of course, have to be looked into. He added that I should not fear any difficulties on the part of Wilhelm Lipknecht, and that's when he said what I wrote above on this matter. Those were probably the most important points, as for me personally, as far as I can judge, I made quite a good impression on him. In saying goodbye, he assured me he was very happy to have made my acquaintance, which means quite a lot coming from such a Bavarian bumpkin. He praised me, saying it was a very fine thing that I wanted to agitate in Upper Silesia. This praise I rejected with a gesture, indicating coolness, and gave him to understand that I didn't need his praise. He gave me the Handbuch. Uh, this refers to the SPD manual containing information related to the upcoming Reichstag elections. When I started to pay him for it, he refused to take payment and handed it to me with a charming smile for your political agitation in Upper Silesia. But damn it, there's another important matter I forgot about. Winter has written a flyer for Upper Silesia, six yards long, and Ulek has translated it into Polish. Auer gave me both, the German and the Polish, and supposedly they've already distributed 120,000 copies of it. Write your thoughts about this audience with our or wait, I'll write you mine tomorrow. letter is dated 28th of May. In it, Rosa lays out the plans for her journey to Upper Silesia. Zozio, yesterday I wrote you that I had almost decided about going to Upper Silesia. I have thought about the situation over once more, and again I see no other way out. The following are things I don't like. I would rather at the beginning operate on the larger more universal stage in Berlin, not some hole in the wall in Upper Silesia, but much rather eventually make an appearance in Dortmund. There at least there are public gatherings from time to time. Since there exists no possibility of holding public rallies in Upper Silesia, as Winter writes, 
The work will go on silently and in the dark so that not even a dog will hear anything about it. I go to Upper Silesia to serve against my will and the winter's command, and even if I hold myself back from acting, as if I were the Governor-General, that's why I will be de facto, because I don't know either how to relate to him or how to conduct myself so as not to be superior to him. It is by no means the éclat, the dramatic entrance that we wished for. However, in Berlin there is no work, because on the one hand the good Poles have absolutely no significance when it comes to ordaining me to do German agitation here in Berlin, and on the other hand to leave the Polish work to Moravsky and Winter is stupid nonsense. Finally and conclusively, the Germans don't need me here in Berlin and for me not to participate in the Polish work before the elections is to rob myself of the possibility of eventually having a say on this question at the party congress. Polish agitation for the Germans, that means Upper Silesia. Our said so explicitly. In Dortmund, the Poles are not dangerous because they are under the dominant influence of the Germans. Besides, Auer is right from his point of view that forces must be concentrated in Upper Silesia. They won't give me any means for travelling to Dortmund, anyway. Not to go to Upper Silesia would be not to accept the only Polish electoral work that they are offering me, which would mean to spoil relationship with the SPD executive, to appear before them as a hero of empty words. Secondly, it would be to ruin relations with Winter, who can later establish himself as the only person representing the SPD's Polish work. If I have the intention, at least later on, of presenting an independent point of view on the Polish work, I must establish direct connections with Upper Silesia, and the local elections offer the only opportunity for that. The same thing is important in regard to the party congress if we are thinking about a mandate, i.e. being elected as a delegate to the congress, to operate on my own and to thumb my nose at hour and winter would be most tempting for me. But where would I operate? There's no place that one can hook on to. Berlin is unpromising, Poznan likewise, and in Upper Silesia on my own I would accomplish nothing. With regard to editorial posts, good relations with the SPD executive and with Winter are essential. In short, there is nothing left but to pack my suitcase and go. Where to? I'm waiting for a letter from Winter on that very subject. Most likely to Bitom. I will write you again in detail before leaving. I will tell our in advance that in regard to the impossibility of public meetings, I can't promise too much, and that if the region proves to be unproductive, I will repay them for the travel money. In the best of cases, it's better not to promise too much in advance.
fifth and final letter is dated 9th of June and written from Upper Silesia. My dearest, yesterday evening I came to Königshütte and discovered your three letters, only the last one with Winter's dress, then today the one you sent on Monday. You can imagine how happy I am that the gathering pleased you so much. As far as my work here is concerned, we spend the whole beloved day from eight in the morning till eight or nine going through Volney's election district, distributing voting cards and copies of your appeal to voters. To you, this work will seem demeaning, which means you have now arrived at the conception with which I began in Berlin and because of which I was so uncomfortable about a trip to Upper Silesia. Here, however, I have reached the opposite view entirely. This work is the one and only thing that will stand me in good stead with Winter, Bruns and the SPD executive. And it is the one and only thing that can give me a good name with everyone. And that's precisely because I am at the same time making my appearance as an outstanding speaker. That is to say, while I am also capable of better things, I do not shy away from marching with the rank and file. By the way, Winter does the same thing every day. This very day and for the next several days, he is going to be among the workers and I will be sitting in the election office, i.e. his home, to receive the worker who keep arriving at every moment, whether to obtain advice or to offer their services for agitation or for distributing our election statement and at the same time I have to finish writing some short pieces. About personal matters, there's so much I could write, just think, so many new impressions, that I don't know where I should begin, and most important, I don't have a moment's peace. The surroundings here have made the strongest and most emphatic impression, cornfields, meadows, woods, broad expanses, and Polish speech, and Polish peasants all around. You have no idea how happy it all makes me, I feel as though I've been born anew, as though I have the ground under my feet again. I can't get enough of listening to them speak and I can't breathe enough of the air here. Yesterday I had to wait for about an hour for the last train to Lichnisch. I crept around there in the fields of grain a little and picked cornflowers and poppies. For my complete happiness there was lacking only one. I've already decided that for our vacation I won't travel to Switzerland, but you'll come here, it's the same amount of money. And we'll rate a place in some Silesian village, because I'm firmly convinced that you two should live here for a while, and you'll feel the same pleasure I do when you catch sight of the vast cornfields, as far as the eye can see. The cornstacks are already higher than I am. Meadows with cows being watched over by a five-year-old barefoot child and our favourite pine forests, and our peasants emaciated, unwashed, but a magnificent race. In Kanzrin, I saw three families, two peasant families and one Jewish family, who were going to America. What poverty! It almost brought me to tears, but at the same time I was so happy to see this I couldn't keep my eyes off them. What an impression all this would make on you, perhaps even stronger than it makes on me, though that seems hardly possible. What I say is that for my complete happiness here I'm lacking only one, although of course 
That's a very big only. All in all, I feel quite tranquil as far as the work is concerned, and I haven't the slightest doubt that I'm doing good work. Your letters strengthen me in that conviction, because almost always in the suggestions you make, you're mentioning something I've already done or had the intention of doing. You also ask me about personal gossip. Perhaps that refers to the fact that toward me Brahms has shown... It's unpleasant for me to put it into words because he behaves himself in an absolutely blameless manner and he himself is a thoroughly fine fellow whose limits he has not once tried to overstep. He says he wishes he had been met, i.e. made Luxembourg's acquaintance, five years earlier in Zurich. How amusing. Naturally, he's just making that up. But that's the smallest thing so far. I was afraid he might confide his bad luck to his friend Shunlank. Winter, as it turns out, hasn't met Ulek in person, even once. Anyhow, Ulek Machlevsky is sitting at these elections. He's being a stay-at-home. He must be furious when he hears about me. Parvus has written nothing to me here because there's no reason for him to. I promised him I'd stop by and see him on the way. I give you a hug, your chucha. In upcoming episodes, we'll discuss how Rosa, upon her return from Upper Silesia, met German socialists Karl Kautsky, the Pope of Marxism, and his wife Louise, August Bebel, Paul Zinger, Franz Mehring, and most importantly, Clara Zetkin. <laughs>